podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly View system, DLS. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Have you tried the Name Your Price tool yet? It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to find a rate that works for you. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive. Get your quote today at Progressive.com and see why four out of five new auto customers recommend Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. to the Cop Table podcast where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Newcastle game on Boxing Day at Anfield. On tonight's show, once again with me, we have uh, Jay Riley. Jay is the regular on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show and uh, season ticket holder goes all the games. How are you, Jay? Yeah, not too bad, mate. You know, good victory, wasn't it, the other night going into Christmas now, top of the table and Hopefully we can uh, get another three points on Boxing Day against Newcastle. Fingers crossed, mate, yeah. And also joining us tonight is John Richardson. John has been on the cop table with us previously. He's uh, obviously a Newcastle supporter. Has been 35 years on the the national papers as a freelance journalist. So welcome back to the cop table. John, how are you? My privilege. uh, Panicking, Peter. Panicking. (laughs) As usual. We'll... uh, yeah, we will um, we will we'll come across that bridge um, very shortly. But first of all, John, we're just going to start off with uh, Jay and look back to our, our game on Friday evening against Wolves down at, at Molyneux. Absolutely torrential rain, wasn't it, Jay? Um, awful weather, but we come out with a 2-0 victory and a, and a pretty solid performance. Give us your, your thoughts on the game, please, Jay. Yeah, going into the game, it was a potential, you know, banana skin, really, wasn't it? Because the conditions weren't great at all, and you're just thinking, aren't you, under the lights at Molyneux just before Christmas? It could have been a tricky game for Liverpool, but I mean, you know, as I spoke about on the, on the previous podcast, Wolves are the type of team that are going to play football with us, so they're not really going to kick you off the path. They're not going to bombard you with set pieces. So really, there shouldn't have been anything to fear really going into the game because. You know, Liverpool have been dealing with these type of teams with minimum force, really, and getting three points, you know, no problems whatsoever. So, I think all things considered, I mean, Liverpool were in control. I mean, the start of the game, Wolves have a couple of chances, didn't he? He was a bit sloppy in possession from Fabinho and Adama Traore. He's got blister and pace, hasn't he? And he had that opportunity early on. But, 
you know, he hit it into the side net and really didn't he? And then, you know, I think they had another chance, didn't he, really? But, you know, Liverpool were in control, weren't they? And then we scored at the right time because, obviously, they'd had a couple of opportunities and Liverpool just getting a foothold in the game and then bang, it was a great goal by Salah, fantastic by Fabinho, ball across and it was a great finish by Salah. And, and, and really, Liverpool had other opportunities to score as well in the first half. And, you know, the second half, they had a goal, didn't he? But, I just thought Liverpool, I mean, the second goal come at a really good time as well. Virgil van Dijk have been saying it time and time again that it's it's remarkable, really, that he scored on his debut in the FA Cup against Everton at Anfield. And he hadn't scored a goal for us, you know, since then. And, you know, he's a massive presence, isn't he, in, in you know, defending set pieces in the box. And, you know, he's a towering presence everywhere, even, like, going up for set pieces. And it's remarkable that he hadn't scored another goal for us, but... You know, it was a vital goal that he scored for us on Friday night. And in truth, Liverpool couldn't really have scored a few more, couldn't they? I mean, Salah had another opportunity. Adam Lallana had an opportunity as well. And, you know, I just thought it was a very professional performance by Liverpool. And, you know, to go four points clear, it just put that little bit of pressure on Man City's game against Crystal Palace, didn't it, on the Saturday. And so it proved, you know, they didn't handle the pressure at all, did they? And they ended up losing the game and... That was a little bonus for Liverpool going into Christmas from being four points clear. So, you know, all things considered, it was a professional job by Liverpool and now we look forward to this game on Boxing Day. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Jay. OK, then, um, over to you, John. Just uh, get your thoughts on the, the start of the season that, that Newcastle have made. Um, obviously, they was in the bottom three for a while, but they've had a, a bit of an upturn in form and Rafa was manager of the month in, for November. Um, so talk us a little bit about um, Newcastle's start of the season, please, John. Well, I'm afraid it was so predictable because, as usual, Rafa wasn't backed really in the transfer market in the summer and the squad, Peter, isn't good enough, simply isn't good enough. In fact, you know, I, I cover obviously the Premier League and I see most of the teams and I would say that Newcastle's squad really on paper is, is the worst in the division. So... If Rafa keeps them up, which hopefully he will, then he deserves a knighthood, to be honest, because, you know, the players simply aren't good enough. Um, they've shown that at home. They've been better away from home because at home, obviously, they've got to come out on the front foot or try and come out on the front foot. And they've lost seven times at home. Uh, Drew against Fulham, the bottom club, as you know, at the weekend. You know, where are the goals coming from? Rondon. You know, was signed in the summer, but he's injury prone. He's decent, but uh, he needs a run of games now. But I'm afraid it's been very predictable. We everybody knew that Newcastle would would struggle. The hope has been, of course, about the takeover. Um, and then a few weeks ago, Mike Ashley announces that there's four contenders, but most of them are are consortiums. And I'm afraid I don't like consortiums because consortiums, to me is always about trying to raise money from different people. You know, what you need is obviously a Sheikh Mansur or, or somebody like mm. that to put a load of money in, you know, not bits of money. And as predicted again by many people, there's been no sale yet. And we've got the January transfer window just around the corner. Will my, uh, Mike Ashley back Rafa Benitez, you know, with, with new blood, which is badly needed? Uh, again, there's a big question mark holding over that. As you know, it's Rafa's uh, final year of his contract. And it's certain if things carry on like this, then Rafa will be gone in the summer. Absolute certainty. Um, he'd probably go off to China, you know, where he's been offered a couple of jobs already. 
very hard to turn down £10 million a year, isn't it? You know, when you, you're struggling in the Premier League. I mean, Rafa, Rafa is at his wit's end. He knows the players aren't good enough. He can't come out and say that. Uh, it was a miracle that he got them to 10th place last season. In fact, it'd probably been better if he just escaped relegation by the skin of his teeth. Then that might have scared Mike Ashley a little bit and he put some money in. But the side isn't good enough. You know, gone are those fantastic Keegan years, you know, the 4-3s at Liverpool. I mean, this will be damage limitation on Boxing Day. Uh, they are better away from home. Uh, they've only lost twice. That was at Manchester United, very unluckily, 2-0 up and lost 3-2, and at Manchester City. Um, but when they've got to produce, which they do at home, I'm afraid they're sadly lacking. Away from home, Rafa will shut up shop and, and try and get something on the break. But, you know, as we all know, trying to shut up shop against Liverpool for 90 minutes is, is nigh impossible. So I think Newcastle fans visit Anfield on Boxing Day with trepidation. Yeah, and, and just going back to the point you made about the, the takeover, John, obviously this seems to have been going on for, for I don't know how long now, it's three, four seasons with yeah. with, um, with the, the fans at Loggerheads with Mike Ashley and then now. Now Rafa Benitez is involved in it all, um, which is sort of which transmits to the players. We've seen seen it happen at Liverpool when Hicks and Gillette was there. Um, yeah. Everything that's coming from above has a negative impact on, on the pitch. Um, how long can this continue? And how long, how has Mike actually managed to keep the club for this long without the fans rioting, if you like? Well, this is it. it it's it's um, frustrating because the only way that Mike Ashley would suddenly realise, yeah, I've got to get rid of it tomorrow sort of thing, is if the fans didn't turn up. And there's been threats of boycotts, you know, and threats of not coming in till the 11th minute and things like that. But Newcastle fans are like Liverpool fans in many respects. They still want to support the club, whatever. You know, I know there was, you know, Liverpool fans yeah. reacted against the increased ticket prices in a couple of seasons ago, and that, that did work. But Newcastle fans, they just won't do it. They... they you know, there was 51,000 there against Fulham. And as long as that happens, then Mike Ashley, all he's bothered about is, is cash. And that means staying in the Premier League, of course. Then maybe he would panic a little bit. But it's just so frustrating. As you say, we've had this now for, for years. I mean, Mike Ashley has been at the club now 11 years. And I would say for the last five or six, he's been trying to get rid. And to be fair to him, I think it's an honest... On his price, he's asking. He's asking about three hundred million pounds now. As you know, Liverpool's probably worth almost two two billion. You know, so three hundred million for a club like Newcastle United. You know, I think is a bargain. But so far, nobody has come up with a hard cash. There's been promises, but nothing nothing concrete. And things will not change until Mike Ashley is driven out of tomb. Just have to see what happens on, on that situation. But like you say, it's been going on for far too long and hopefully he'll sell the club um, for the sake of the fans and, and everyone involved up there. But back over to yourself then. Um, Jay, just going to talk a little bit about the um, about the performances of, of certain players in the game against Wolves. Virgil van Dijk, who we touched on before, had an absolutely outstanding game from start to finish really just he's like a brick wall wasn't he at the back but then another um, issue that, that came about in the second half was the introduction of Adam Lallana a few people um, I was watching the match was very surprised that he came on he's not featured much you had Gerard Shakiri who's um, 
he's been playing brilliant lately, obviously with his two goals against United, and he, he had to take a back step for this one. Was you surprised to see that um, substitution? And give us your thoughts on Virgil van Dijk as well, please, Jay. Um, yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise because you always think, don't you? I mean, if Shakiri's not starting the game, then he's your first go-to man, isn't he, on the bench, really? And he, obviously, the change was made with Naby Keita. He, he sort of like took a little bit of a knock, didn't he? And and he's been a little bit in and out, hasn't he? His form's not being great, really. He wasn't great against United. Didn't think he was great either in the first half against Wolves. And um, you would say, wouldn't you, that the natural replacement would have been Shaqiri, but he turned to Lalana. But I suppose you've got to analyse the fact that Liverpool have got a lot of games over the festive periods. Every team has, and you've got to use the squad a little bit. And maybe he just thought it was a game for Lalana. I don't know. I mean, he did have a chance, didn't he, in the second half, which we came close to scoring him with. So I, I don't know. I mean. It's very difficult, isn't it, to criticise Klopp at the moment because anything that he's doing, even substitutions like what did happen against United, it worked, didn't it, when Shaqiri come on and scored the two goals. So, you know, let's leave him to make them decisions because it's all right us having an opinion about it, but at this moment in time, he's the manager of the team that's that's four points clear at the top of the Premier League. So, mm. who are we to criticise? But, you know, at the end of the day, I know what you're saying, yeah. though, because Lallana's not really featured much this season and... You know, when he has played, he's, he's looked a little bit off the pace, hasn't he? And he normally picks up a little niggle here and there, and then he's out, he's out the frame for three or four games, and he's back on the bench. And I don't know, maybe he just wants us to get a little bit of game time into him because there's an opportunity there where he might play a little bit over, you know, maybe on Boxing Day even against Newcastle because you'd, you'd have to say, wouldn't you, that out of the three games that we've got coming up, that's the game where if we're going to make changes, you would suggest that that would be the game because we've got Arsenal at home after that and then we've got Manchester City away at the Etihad. So, I mean, they're really two massive games against teams who are, you know, vying for the top four places and obviously Man City are going for the title with them, aren't we? So, that's a massive game in itself. So, you would say the Newcastle games where changes could be made. Um, when you're going on about Virgil van Dijk, I mean, what what else is he to say about him? He, he's quite clearly the best centre half in the Premier League. Certainly one one of the best in Europe as well. He's a man mountain, isn't he? He's just sensational, really. And you know the epitome of that was in the second half when Adama Traore tried to run him, and we all know how quick he is, blister and pace. And Van Dijk not only kept up with him but dispossessed him, and you know just mopped up all the danger. And he is just a brick wall, isn't he? He's fantastic and. You know, I know Jordan Henderson's the club captain, but to me, the leader on the pitch is certainly Virgil van Dijk, and he's a superstar. Great stuff. Thanks, Jay. OK, then, John, just going to look back at uh, the performance of uh, Newcastle against Fulham. Nil-nil uh, draw. Is it as uh, Was it as dire as I've um, read in the in the, the reports from that game? Well, that wasn't there, because I was, <laughs> I was at Blackburn and Norwich, which was probably even worse. I think I've, I think I've done something <laughs> wrong, but I've seen extended highlights, obviously, and spoken to people, and, and basically there was hardly any chances for either side. Um, Newcastle was shot shy, you know. There was, there was there was hardly any action. I think people were calling the first half there, you know, worst worst so far this season. Second half it improved a bit. There was a, a claim for a penalty with with Kennedy going over. Um, Mitrovic, of course, coming back against uh, his old club. He had a penalty claim in, in the dying seconds. But 
you know, looking at the extended highlights, got it was a goal of straw written all over it. And and that's the problem with Newcastle, you know, there's there's a lack of goals. As I say, they've, they've uh, only won two games at home, drawn one, lost seven, only scored seven goals at St. James's Park. And, you know, you go back again to those great years about the entertainers. I mean, what, what a contrast this is. I mean, the fact that 51, 52,000 turn up every other week, I mean, you know, they deserve medals because I'm afraid it's very poor fare at the moment. And I said to you, it's, there's no lack of effort from the players. You know, there's some there's some half decent players. Um, you know, I'm a big Matt Ritchie fan. You know, he's somebody that gives gives everything 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 yeah. for the cause. Centre half Lascelles is is a decent player. De Bronca, the the goalkeeper's decent, but they're decent. But there's no there's no real stars. And you know, Newcastle fans just want one or two players to hang their hats on to enjoy their football. And it, it's just not happening. It's 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 dire. It's dirt. It's a dirge, I'm afraid, and it's not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable, and everybody fears the worst away from home. As I said earlier to Peter, they're better because they don't have to show any any uh, sort of attacking play. It's about you know sort of wheeling the wagons round and and just trying to catch uh, teams on the break. So. I'm afraid until there is a takeover uh, and there's investment in the team and Rafa is given the backing, then this would continue, um, you know, for months on end. Cheers, John. Yeah, and just looking forward to the game at Anfield this um, this coming Boxing Day. Just reading a little bit about uh, Mohamed Diame. He seems like he's um, he's full of beans at the moment. He's saying one or two things in the press that the, the Newcastle are, are up for the fight and things like that. Um, just... Talk us a little bit about what's the predicted lineup for, for Newcastle. I think it was Fernandez, wasn't it? The, the yeah. Argentinian centre back has come back into the fold. Yeah, he was on the. Yeah, he was on. Sorry, Peter, he was on the bench really against Fulham. Yeah, yeah, and um, Lejeune is he's another one who's come back cl- yeah. close from injury. Yeah, no, I think it'll be too soon for him. I I think that Rafa will go three at the back, you know, and try and smother Liverpool with probably a back three of Lascelles. Fernandez and Shah, which you know is that is pretty decent, and then uh, Yedlin would probably come back. Uh, he came on as a sub because he he was banned for a game, but and uh, came on for the last four minutes against Fulham. I think he'll be the the right wing back, and then Paul Dummett for the left wing back, and that's just fill with midfielders. You know that there is a blow because um, Ki Sung Young, who's played very well, you know from from Swansea. He, yeah. He's heading off for the Asia Cup, so that, that's great timing, isn't it? So he misses the game. John Joe Shelby is unlikely to come back. He's he's got a thigh injury. I mean, you know, the miss Shelby, as you can imagine, he's been he's been excellent. He he has been the playmaker, and he does show some class. Um, so that that's going to be a blow. So that could be uh, a chance for Hayden, who's hardly had a look in this season, but um, if you're going to go with for a, a ball-winning midfielder, then he's the only one, you know, left, left really, to, to come in. Um, and I just think they, they, as I say, there are three at the back, two wing-backs, and then just, you know, sort of crowd the midfield and then have Rondon up front by himself. Yeah, sounds like uh, Rafa's going to come, obviously, with a game plan and try and um, 
put a lot of men behind the ball and yeah. probably try yeah. and it, it's as on, on the break if he can. Obviously yourself, Jay, a similar one for you. I know we speak about it on each podcast and we, we're trying to second-guess Klopp with his um, with his team lineups. but do you see him rotating for this game like you mentioned earlier? Do you see um, many changes from that side that face Wolves on, on Friday evening? Yeah, I think this is the game where he probably will look at it and think we can make three or four changes to the starting lineup. And, you know, we we did criticise a little bit, didn't we, when we played Burnley away? And I think he made seven changes that night. And when Burnley took the leads, I mean, people were saying, and I said it myself, you no, know, it's asking for trouble, do you know what I mean? Because, you know, OK, Liverpool, we go on about the squad's a lot better now, the strength in depth's there, we've got a, a multitude of players to choose from. But, the facts are when you make so many changes, it upsets the rhythm and the tempo of how you've been playing. And, you know, it's too many changes, in my opinion. If you're going to make changes, three or four is the absolute maximum that you should be making. And I know the Burnley game in the end, Liverpool came from behind to win the game 3-1 and the rest is history. And, you know, we shouldn't go on about it too much. But, you know, we didn't play well in the first half at all. There was no cohesion there with amongst the players that he selected to start the game. Um, and then we only really got going once Burnley took the lead. And then, you know, as I say, we did come back to win it. Like, we made a few changes. He brought on Firmino, we brought on Salah, and we won the game. But in this particular game, I mean, I think, as I've just said before, because we've got Arsenal coming up a couple of days later, and then we've got the, the trip to Manchester City as well, I do think he'll look at this game as one where he can make changes. But... I wouldn't underestimate Newcastle. I mean, don't get me wrong, I know they're not a great side and they have got pretty poor squad, but, you know, we know only too well how good a manager Rafa Benitez is and he's perfect at setting a team up. He's tactically aware, isn't he? He knows what to do. He's a very intelligent manager and if there's one manager that can set a team up to avoid defeat and come with a defensive plan, it's Rafa Benitez. So, you know, I certainly don't think it'll be a walkover. I mean, I'd like Liverpool to get an early goal. That goes without saying, because if we do, then I don't think it'll change things dramatically for Newcastle, the game plan, because, you know, they're not going to be damaged limitations and start coming out and playing against us because you'd end up getting beat 3 or 4 nil then. But I do think they probably would stick to the game plan. But just to settle us more than anything else, because you don't want it to get to half-time where it's nil-nil or get to the hour mark where it's nil-nil and then you start... You know, getting a little bit squeaky bum time, really, where you're taking pot shots from long range and what have you. We need to, to remain calm in this type of game because it could be a game of chess, really, because that's just the right the way Rafa sets the t- his teams up. Certainly, the team, a team like Newcastle, because they haven't got any star-studded players at the in the side, so it's the only way they can come to Anfield and perform. You know, gone are the days when they'd come to Anfield years ago and they'd just fight fire with fire under Keegan and what have you and Dalglish when we had a couple of four three thrillers, you know, you just can't see it being that type of game, can you? Because of the personnel that Newcastle have got nowadays. But um, yeah, I do think there'll be a few changes. Um, be interested to see what he does. I mean, obviously you're gonna have to play Lovren and Van Dijk, your centre half pair, and because of the injuries you've got to Joe Gomez and Joel Matip. Um, in terms of the fullback areas, it's interesting to see whether or not Trent would be available for the game if he's not quite ready to return. Maybe Klein will come in because obviously he was very good, wasn't he, against Manchester United. He didn't play him against Wolves and Milner slotted in there, didn't he, at right-back. Um, so, so that's a possibility whether or not you know, the right-back situation could be a change there. You look at the left-back situation, now we all know how bad Moreno can be at times. He's, he's an empty head, isn't he? But 
maybe because Newcastle are not going to have much of an attack and presence into the pool, maybe um, Klopp will feel you know it's okay to play Moreno in this game and give Robertson a little bit of a rest because he played a lot of football lately and when they had the international break as well. Obviously, he's the captain of Scotland, so he featured in them games too. So maybe he'll get a rest for this game on the bench and if something's going wrong, maybe they'll put him on. I don't know, but that's another area that could, there could be changes in the full-back areas, couldn't he? Um, midfield, as we always say, you know, it's it's very difficult to, to second-guess Klopp on what he's going to do in the midfield area because Liverpool have got five or six players to choose from in that, in that you know to play them different positions then. Also, the system, they probably play a 4-2-3-1 system, I reckon, against Newcastle, so I mean, I'm fully expecting Shaqiri to come into the starting lineup because he's been on the bench for the last couple of games and you know he's, he'll be chomping at the bit, won't he, to, to, to get a start and show again what he's capable of producing for us. Um, I, I wouldn't swap the front three around because we've said all season we're still waiting for them to fully click and to get into gear. Now, I think we are seeing signs of it. I mean, Mo Salah's he's, he's scoring goals for fun again now. He got a hat-trick against Bournemouth. He obviously scored, didn't he, the opening goal against Wolves on Friday night as well. Sadio Mane scored the opening goal against Manchester United after going on a little bit of a spell where he hadn't scored for a few games. So, you know, he's getting his, finding his feet again, getting his confidence back. And the one player that I wouldn't be rotating, I mean, people might say, wouldn't you start Sturridge in this game? But I, I'd, I'd still play for me, you know, because I just think he's still struggling to find his form this season. He scored a few goals recently, but... I, do, I would keep on playing them just purely and simply because them three together along with Shaqiri can, can be the... Basically, Newcastle are going to defend for their lives. So you need to have as many attacking options on the pitch as you can. And that's why I would start Shaqiri with the other three as well rather than rotate anyone else. Um, what would be interesting is to see who the midfield two would be. And personally, I would bring Wijnaldum back into the side because he's fantastic at Anfield. I think you know with the energy levels, he gets around the pitch really, really well. Um, and then the dilemma then is who who partners him in, in midfield? Would it be Henderson keeping his place? Will it be Fabinho, who's been very good the last couple of games, um, or James Milner? Because if he doesn't play right back, then obviously he could play in midfield as well. So there's plenty of options there, isn't he, for Klopp? And also, you know, Adam Lallana could potentially get a start as well. You know, let's not forget him. So, you know, it, as I say, it's very difficult when you've got a squad of players, a group of players that Liverpool have got then you know you can't really judge on what Klopp's going to do because I do think he'll rotate for this game, but you know there's plenty of options there, isn't it, Peter? Yeah, certainly plenty of options with the with the size of the squad that we've got now. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what lineup is um, he picks on Boxing Day. Right, okay. Before I uh, introduce the band and the music, what I'm going to get is uh, a score prediction from uh, both of our our guests. So Liverpool being the home side, Jay, you can go. Um, you can go first and give us your your score prediction and, and your reasons for them, please. Okay, well, last season um, we won two 0 didn't we, at Anfield? And you know, really, we should have had a penalty in, in injury time. It was a foul, I think, it was Lascelles on on Salah right at the end. Should have been a penalty, and because it was basically the last kick of the game. The referee never gave it for some bizarre reason, and the game it ended two nil. Now, I mean, if Emily serves me right, going back to that game, Rafa, you know what we're expecting to happen on Boxing Day, really, 
he set it, set them up really well. And they were well drilled in the game. Liverpool didn't have loads of chances, and I think we got a little bit fortunate with the goal that we did score in the first half. And it was a fantastic save by Loris Carius right on half time from uh, Diame. I remember, uh, which would have made it one all right up on the stroke of half time. And second half, I think it was Mane who wrapped it up. We went two 0 up, and the game just fizzled out. Really, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a very memorable game, if memory serves me right. Anyway, so. I am expecting much of the same. I really am. I mean, Newcastle's away form hasn't been too bad, as John said before. You know, they lost at Old Trafford when they probably shouldn't have lost, really. I mean, they were 2 0 up and United just come from behind. And, you know, it was just one of them horrible games, really, that United have been notorious for over the years for doing. Um, other than that, you know, they lost, I think it was 2 1 against Man City. Now, that's, that's nothing too bad, really, because teams have gone the Etihad this season and been smashed. I mean, I think they beat Huddersfield 6-1. I think they beat Southampton 6-1 as well. And beat Burnley 5-0. So you would categorise Newcastle probably on a level with them type of clubs. So to go there and only lose the game 2-1, you know, it's it's not a bad result really for them, all things considered. I know they lost the game, but you know, they certainly never got a hide. And, and that's the way the way Rafa is. It's very rare that you'll see a Rafa Benitez team you know, get a hide in anywhere because, I mean, I know they've lost the home quite a bit, but that's, as John was saying before, when when they're playing the home games, the onus is on them to come out and attack teams. Whereas in the away games, you can probably have teams on the counter attack a little bit, and the setups are totally different. The tactics are different. So I do think that obviously he's going to try the same methods as near Anfield against Liverpool. Um, I just I would love to say we'll win four or five nil, but I just don't see it. I just don't see us doing it to Rafa Benitez's team. I, I honestly think it'll be it'll be tight and. I think it's important when Liverpool get the first goal for, for obvious reasons that you know you're more you'll be more settled then, won't you? If we score an early goal and it's just at our leisure then when we want to score the second type of thing. But if the game gets to half time and sixty minutes, seventy minutes, and it's still nil nil, they're hanging on. You know you you do start worrying and I get a bit concerned, don't you? Are we going to be able to break them down? So I mean I'll be happy with the same as what happened last season. To tell you the truth. A goal in the first half, a goal in the second half, pretty much like what happened on Friday against Wolves. A nice routine, three points, comfortable victory, and uh, that's the score and a goal for. So I say a 2-0 Liverpool win. 2-0 for you, Jay. Right, OK then, John, give us your thoughts on a, on a score prediction from the Newcastle point of view and uh, your reasons for that, please. Very much, as I said earlier, boys, uh, damage limitation for Newcastle. As we all accept, Rafa will set up you know, to defend um, and defending against Liverpool for 90 minutes, you know, the way Liverpool are playing is, is virtually impossible. So I'd, like, like Jay says, it won't be a hammering. Uh, Rafa's teams don't get hammered, but I just can't see them having the legs to keep going for 90 odd minutes. So I'm going probably for a two or three nil, probably three nil win for Liverpool. It won't be easy. It won't be easy. They could get, you know, a late goal, which could flatter them a little bit to make it three nil. But I can't see Newcastle getting anything. I mean, the giveaway is you look at the goals. They've only scored 14 goals in, in 18 games. So that's not going to change, especially at a place like Anfield. They are better away from home. That You know, they've only conceded seven away from home, scored seven, conceded seven. Um, so... You know, there are no pushovers, but they don't, except for Manchester United, they didn't really like, look like winning, you know, against the big clubs. City, that was damage limitation as well. They got away with really 2-1. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, when 
you know, goal difference can be very important. That was very important because, as Jay said, you know, some teams have been, you know, blasted aside. Southampton 6-1, things like that. So, uh, I'll, I'll go for 3-0. I'm just going to make you too envious, by the way, boys, because on Thursday in Southport, yeah. I, I enjoyed a long lunch with Kenny Dalglish, Roy yeah. Evans, Phil Neal, Alan Kennedy, Steve McMahon, people like that. Absolutely, wow. absolutely fantastic. Started at half past 12, finished at 8 o'clock. Absolutely brilliant. And all, all, all of them, I can say, are huge Jurgen Klopp fans. Kenny loves him. Mm. Kenny was in fine form. Fantastic one-liners. Just a, a great, <laughs> just a, a great afternoon, you know, and some some greats from the past. And I can just say they're enjoying watching Liverpool play at the moment, um, which is more than can say about Newcastle. But no, three nil, go three nil. John, I, I hope they said they're huge fans of the Cocktail Podcast as well. Or did they? <laughs> <laughs> Kenny well, listens I'll, every I'll week. Have, I'll have a word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they are if they heard it. Be great, that. Right, okay, just that before we uh, leave, um, what we're going to do now is uh, introduce the band that's been in touch with us on the on our Twitter page um, this week. Yeah, so the band I'm going to play for you tonight are called TT Heart and the New Icons, based in Liverpool. They have a debut single out called The Sky at Night, which is on Breckside Records. You can catch them on uh, Spotify, and they've also got their music out on uh, YouTube as well. So the song that I'm going to play for you tonight is called The Sky at Night by T.T. Hart and the New Icons.
So that song was called The Sky at Night by T.T. Hart and the new Icons. Thanks very much for, for them guys for getting in touch with us on the, the Twitter page to to play their music. Right, thanks very much to John Richardson and Jay Riley for joining me on the Newcastle preview tonight, lads. My, thanks a lot my, for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot, lads. Cheers, lads. Enjoy the game. Have a good Christmas. Yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> so fingers crossed. Yeah, that's the the cop table preview of the Liverpool versus Newcastle game on Boxing Day. Big thanks again to our our friends at Liverpool Online and the the Facebook page for their association with us this year. Don't forget to all uh, stay on board with the the No More Knives campaign that we're we're on board with um, Paul Bentley and Lee Butler at the moment and. We'll be continuing that throughout the season. So, thanks everybody for listening. Hope everybody has a, a fantastic Christmas, and uh, I wish all our listeners all the best for 2019. Thanks everybody for listening, and goodbye. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Don't go dependable. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.